Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome back to the Believe in Vanderbilt football podcast on the Believe Podcast Network, presented by betonline.ag. In the Music City, I'm Matt Perkins, and joining me, as always, Commodore and NFL veteran Ryan Seymour. Ryan, how you feeling today? I'm good, Matt. I'm uh, I'm trying to take the attitude of you know controlling what I can control and looking into next week and trying to take take the loss against ETSU and put it behind me. But obviously, we're gonna relive some of that today and kind of cover what we saw. But uh, you know, I'm still optimistic. It's only uh, we're going into week two. So we got a lot, uh, a lot of football left. Yeah, there, there's a lot of football left, and you know, despite what we're about to talk about, I think that there were a couple of reasons for optimism. But we'll we'll get into that in a little bit. Before we do, want to remind you guys that we are in fact presented to you by BetOnline.ag. The football season is in full swing, and as always, Bet Online is your number one spot for pro and college football action this season. Make sure to get updated odds, props, and contests over at betonline.ag. There's a half million dollar NFL mega contest, a two hundred thousand dollar NFL survivor contest, both of which are open now over at Bet Online. So head on over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your one hundred percent welcome bonus. Take advantage of their season, of their opening day super promo. Make a bet on Thursday, September 9th, between the opener between the Super Bowl champion Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Dallas Cowboys. And if you lose, your wager will be refunded up to $25 for new customers only when signing up using the promo code NFL100. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet your favorite sports. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Also want to mention that we have another new sponsor here on the podcast, Balance 7. Balance 7 is a liquid dietary supplement with the powerful ability to raise pH levels in the body. It's a proprietary mixture of safe, all-natural minerals that trigger the body's own ability to maintain a healthy immune system. You can see how Balance 7 has helped many people from around the world. And right now, if you go to balance7.com and use the promo code BELIEVE, you'll get $10 off their 32-ounce bottle. The bottle lasts for 11 days, which is the perfect amount of time to get the pH balance drink to go to work. Again, that's balance7.com and use the code BELIEVE at checkout. B-L-E-A-V, Balance 7. Ryan. If you were if, if, if you were a gambling man you, over at Bet Online, you probably did not do super well. If you're gambling on the doors, <laughs> uh, that wasn't. I was there in person. You were watching on TV. That was one of the uglier games I'd, I've seen. Uh, I'm not gonna lie. There's not a whole lot. There's not a whole lot of way to sugarcoat it, man. When you lose by 20 points to a mid-tier FCS team at home, I mean, it was it was not good. I want to start. Up front, though, with the offensive line, because to me, obviously, that we are an O-line centric podcast. And on top of that, I felt like there were some some real issues there on the offensive line. What did you see out of this group? Um, well, to uh, to piggyback off your initial statement, we just couldn't get anything. We could not get in a rhythm. And that meant the entire team um, defensively uh, offense. We just couldn't put any plays together. 
you know, early on in the game, we couldn't convert on third down. As far as offensive line, this offensive line is still learning how to run the zone offense. Obviously we saw that this is kind of new this year, new for Vandy. Um, the interior three, I think is clearly our weakest link at this point. I think Tyler Steen had a really, really good game. I watched him pancake several guys. I think he understands um, this zone offense a little bit. I noticed like, again, I kind of watch like individual guys. I like, I'll pick a spot and then I'll just kind of watch a guy and see, you know, if he does good or does bad. And I saw a lot of mental errors from a lot of the guys, at least in the interior three. And what that means is like when you're running zone offense, it's supposed to be a very fast paced scheme. And which means, and which means you're not supposed to kind of stop running your feet. A lot of times you basically are working a lot of combination blocks. Let's just say you're running zone left, the left guard and the left tackle are going to be working. Usually the left tackle is going to block the DN and the left guard is going to work up to the play side linebacker. The center is going to reach the shade or um, maybe work up to a linebacker and the, and the backside guard is going to take over the shade or vice versa. The center is going to reach the shade and the backside guard is going to work up to the outside work up to the backside backer and the backside tackle is going to cut off the three. Well, a lot of times defense alignment aren't just going to stay in one spot. And what I mean, and what I saw is, is when the D line shifted or moved or shot into a gap or stunted, the guys felt confused. They felt like they were stuck on a man when that's not how you run zone offense. You're, you're basically blocking a zone almost like you don't want to stop because the guy picks off backside. If I'm on the backside guard and tackle, and if the shade crosses my face, well, the tackle is now is going to pick up that shade who just crossed the guard's face and the, and the guard needs to keep going. You're basically just trading responsibilities. And what I saw a lot of is that the guys were not, I guess you could say aware of the secondary level. You and I were kind of texting back and forth. I saw a lot of the linebackers fitting these big holes because we did not see the, the O line working up to the second level correctly or the way they should. And the reason why I noticed that is because I felt like a lot of the guys were playing man and getting stuck on a man. And that's not how you run a zone offense. And so these linebackers were flying downhill and these big gaps, which, you know, to the untrained eye, it looked like, Oh, there's a huge hole, but you're not accounting for all the men in the box. And therefore these guys are just freaking having a field day on our running backs. And so from someone who's run his own offense when I was in Seattle, um, I just noticed the guys aren't really familiar with yet on how to run that type of offense. And I think uh, as we go into the running backs as well, I don't think they are necessarily helping the O line and how, and how a running back helps the O line, especially in his own offense, is pressing the hole and that's taking it play side. And if it's there taking the gap and if not cutting it backside, I saw a lot of, Oh, I'm just going to cut it immediately back, not pressing the hole, not getting the linebackers to suck in play side and then having an opportunity to cut back. So sucking those linebackers over gives a chance for the backside tackle to maybe pin some of these guys and then the running back cut it back. So I, I saw a lot of mental errors on the O line and that is playing man and not running necessarily a zone scheme offense. And then I also saw at the running back position, them not, really giving the O-line a good chance to kind of let these plays unfold. And that's what sometimes these, these zone schemes take. Uh, 
you got to be patient at running back, but you got to be really quick on the O line because you got to be able to like press the hole and go if the, if it opens up because it's going to take a second. The, you know, you're looking at the the running back is reading usually the play side tackles, but and basically he's waiting for that hole to kind of develop, and that is that that tackle stretching out that D line that end stretching him out, stretching him out, stretching him out, and then pinning him or bench pressing him out. And then there creates the hole, but that takes time to develop. So a running back's got to be patient in the sense that he's got to either take it play side, or he's got to at least press it praise play side so that the linebackers suck over and then he could cut it back. And sorry to get really technical, but like, and you know, getting technical in today, but as we have something to kind of look at and talk about, like someone who's run the zone offense before the guys just don't, in my opinion, they haven't quite figured out that concept yet. Yeah. And I think that (laughs) with this adjustment to zone, I guess my question for you then, is that simply a matter of reps and practice like that, that they haven't had yet that they need to get going or is it also an indictment of, of coaching of talent level? I mean, cause you would, I mean, well, again, I, and my initial statement was the guys, the guys on defense aren't going to sit there and they're, they're going to stunt. They're going to make moves. They're going to make twists, you know, in practice, a lot of times you're running against a scout team guy who's just told that, Hey, I got this gap, you know, and they're just giving a look for the O line. And a lot of times you're just not getting a real sense of how, uh, how the defense is going to react against this style of offense. So I think, you know, definitely reps, and this is a great game. Hopefully they're going to go in there. They went in there yesterday or today and are watching this tape um, to kind of go through some of these concerns. And that is um, you don't have a man in zone scheme, right? Because uh, you just have to trade that off. So to your point, I think, yeah, I think a lot of it is just not enough reps and uh, maybe some coaching. I don't know. I had a chance. To, I did have a chance to talk with, uh, uh, with coach Blasek and I really like his, he seems to have a good concept of the zone scheme. Um, I just think the interior three, uh, again, we got two guys who had zero playing time going into Saturday, the starting center and the left guard. Um, and I think that's where we were hurting the most. And it wasn't just started to keep rambling, but it wasn't, it wasn't just, it wasn't just them playing man. It also unfortunately was a lot of just not, I don't want to say being manhandled, but uh, like, for instance, I was watching our center who's all, who couldn't be more than six, two uh, trying to reach this shade. And I, I don't want to say he doesn't have a God gifting ability to, to reach a shade, but I'm having, I'm telling you right now, come, come our sec schedule. If you're a center and you can't reach a play side shade, you're going to be in a world of hurt, a world of hurt. Then you're going to have to start slowing your guard down and chipping the shade and doing all that kind of junk. And that's going to get, that's not zone, zone offense. So um, you got to have a center that can reach a play side shade because if that, if he can't do that, they're going to be in a world of hurt. And I did see, unfortunately, that wasn't the case. I didn't, I didn't think that he did a really good job of, just getting his hat across and not losing ground, um, mm-hmm. which is what you can't do. Yeah. You know, I, I felt that, like he was just getting pushed back in the pocket constantly too during pass pro. And yeah, you know, I mean, <laughs> we've been talking about sort of the, the running attack here, but the pass blocking wasn't a whole lot better. And, and you know, Ken Seals did not have, or Mike Wright when he was behind center, did not have a super clean pocket to throw from 
a whole lot. And I think that is one of the reasons that we saw a lot of the overthrows that because he was trying to compensate for having guys in his face. You talk about the center warden and it was tough, man. He had a he had a baptism by fire, and it's not even like a real one because it's not like we're going up against Alabama or oh, anything I know. like that. And yeah, I mean, can so you imagine? I'm worried that yeah, oh when they have to play Georgia, I don't know if you saw that Georgia Clemson game. Did you see Georgia's defensive line? Because those boys are a whole lot bigger, a whole lot faster, and a whole lot stronger than right. the guys from ETSU. Yeah, it just because when you when you can't like, for instance, let's just say for people who don't understand, like maybe offensive line. Like if I have a play side shade, I'm the center. And that basically means the guys lined up just to my, let's just say we're the strong side to the left. That means I got a guy who's just lined up to my left. If I'm at center, my job as a center is to basically get my hat in front of his hat and not lose any ground. When you automatically your hat is behind his because you can't get your hat across, whether that's, you don't have fast enough feet or you're just getting pushed back that automatically forces the running back to take it backside. There is no play side gap for him to fill because the freaking shade is standing in the B gap. Obviously, you know, there's going to be some displacement as the, as the ball snaps, there's nowhere for him to go except for take it backside. And so when you cannot reach a shade at center, it just doesn't, it doesn't work. Yeah, and, especially know. if you're trying to run sort of, especially like that zone stretch play, right? Which is so common in the zone offense where you're really trying to run it like that way. Like he's just going to blow you it up. you got to have a good center. Time. If you yeah. can have a center that covers up a shade in the zone offense and basically at least gets it where your head, where your helmet to helmet, it gives the running back an, a chance when you cover the guy up to at least take a play side or cut it back. But when you're automatically had his backside against a shade at center, when your job is to try to cross his face. Yeah. Oh my God. It's, it's, it's a really, really tough situation for the running back. And to go back to the, to kind of go back to the pass pass game, I think our tackles will look okay. I thought steam looks really, really good. I thought Ashmore, um, I think she, to me, I, I, thought thought Ashmore Ash, looked- I actually thought Ashmore was the best offensive lineman on the night. I, I thought that he was actually the most consistent, at least over there. Yeah, I will say, I, I would say, I did. I should have. I should have kind of paid attention to more to him. And I think the reason why I didn't notice him more often was because he just was doing his job the whole time. You know, a lot of times you take your attention to something when there's something wrong. You know, I used to always like get frustrated in meetings when I things right in the co- would overlook it. But um, it's only the bad things that you normally pay attention to. So Ashmore. You're right. I think, um, I think he, I was going to say the tackles I thought did a really good job, but the interior three was giving too much ground. We were giving too much ground at center and we were working on different levels. And so when you work at different levels in the interior, that opens up a world of hurt because guys are going to twist guys are going to run games and you can't pass off games when you're on different levels. So if your center is getting knocked back three yards and then is getting picked by the freaking shade, or the shade is knocking the center back three yards and then picking the guard. I mean, no wonder, like you said, seals is throwing off his back foot, literally chunking balls up there at the end of the, at the end of the game in the fourth quarter to throw a pick. So, um, got to tighten it up in the interior. Um, yeah, well, he's I mean, got a lot on his plate. Let's talk about seals because even with the pressure, you still have to expect a little bit better from him, especially as a second year starter who had a full year as a starter last year. And he seemed out of sync with his receivers. So maybe we can talk about them in, 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 in conjunction because 
at least in my opinion, I think sort of the universal opinion coming into the season was that the best position group on this team was going to be the receivers. They're deep. They're veteran. Cam Johnson catches everything that come near him, comes near him. And Ryan, you were texting me during the game. Like they weren't getting any separation. And so I don't now see in, and my question then has to become, well, is that a scheme thing? Because talent wise, we know they're better. We just, we know they're better mm-hmm. than whatever ETS he was throwing out there at defensive back. What, you know, what were you seeing in that sort of facet of the game? Was it just purely that they were, you know, was it poor, was it poor scheme or was it a, these guys don't know their roots. So they were playing like a half step slow. You know, what were you seeing in, in that element of the game? Um, again, I think it all kind of generates to maybe seals. And again, which therefore relies a lot on the offensive line. I think that, um, seals was taking a lot longer to get the ball out. And so was right. I noticed right at times looked like, almost like, dude, you got to get rid of the ball. Um, but I think them just kind of in the back, you know, the quarterback position known in the back of their mind that, um, you know, guys are coming at me and, you know, again, this being the first game of the year during the whole practice and all of the training camp and things like that, quarterbacks never have to worry about taking a hit. You know, you just sit there, the guys run by you, the patch on the shoulder and the you know, the, the coach kind of declares that a sack or not. And I think once the bullets started flying, again, this was kind of being the, the game opener. I think, uh, I think, I think the quarterbacks maybe were just kind of playing like, Oh, I got, I'm going to take a hit here, you know? And I think therefore the, the, the receiving core, um, was just not in a position, you know, they were at the, the spot at the right time, but you know, again, we're talking splits of a second here, um, to where, Hey, I'm open and now I'm not. And now I don't know where else to go. I'm trying to make a play. And I think the receiving core, you know, again, them being their first game, I think uh, they're going to have to do a better job of stepping up when they're, when their play isn't there, trying to make a play and just having the confidence to like, okay, uh, I'm covered up here. I need to do something to at least break free to give ourselves a chance here. Uh, speaking on the quarterbacks, knowing in the back of their mind, they're going to take a hit right after he took that sack was not the same quarterback. No, he was absolutely was, not. When was he got not it. the same at all. There was no chance of him even want, he, you could tell on like third and long situations, if he had the uh, kind of play action where he had the chance to run or pass, it wasn't even a question. He was going to run. He looks so, I don't say frightened, but he looked so shook up after that, after that sack that he took, there was no question that he, he was going to, be a runner the rest of the game. Yeah, that sack in the second quarter that you're talking about. Because before that, he had actually gotten the offense. Yeah, I wish I had a better. A I wish bit. I had a better response to your receiving core. Again, the only thing I could think of is again, you know, the O line giving up pressure, yeah. which therefore puts in the back of my quarterback's mind, hey, I got to keep an alert on the what's in front of me and not you know what I should be paying attention to, and that's my receiving core. And you know, anytime you're going to take your attention away from your quarterback that's not good because you don't want him thinking, Oh my God, I hope I don't get sacked on this freaking play. Yeah. You know, the running backs themselves. I, I didn't think that Davis was, you know, I didn't think he was terrible. Actually. I thought he, I thought he held up. Okay. I mean, if you look at his like yards per attempt, yeah, 3.9 yards per carry, that's not great, but I felt like a lot of that was more due to the offensive line. And I felt like he was able to find a hole if there ever was one, but the other thing about the other thing about him was that there were a couple he did have a couple opportunities to break bigger ones and I felt like he was getting arm tackled. 
and there were probably two or three spots where he had a hole and a linebacker was a step late and was just getting an arm uh, you know, onto his legs and he wasn't running through it. And that I, I think that there were a couple opportunities for some big chunk plays uh that he that he missed on. And I think that was yeah. that was a big thing. Now I, you know, I also, you know, I have a, I subscribe to Pro Football Focus, PFF, you know, they grade out every game. And one thing that they said that I noticed that was actually sort of jived with what I was watching was that Davis did a really good job as a blocker during pass pro. And now part of that was Mm -hmm. out of necessity, right? Because they couldn't block anyone with just five. So they had to keep someone in. And you look at Bresnahan and Schoenwalder, those guys are both better receivers than they are blockers at the tight end position. So I think that Davis actually did a nice job when he was asked to stay in and pass block, but yeah, not to say uh, just talking about strictly just talking about pass protection at running back. I agree. I think Davis did a good job. Freshman uh, Dylan bets, Pauly. Hopefully I say his last name, right? He was right. Yep. He um, he's going to have to learn that he can't size up a D lineman. (laughs) <laughs> like, you're going to have to learn. You're going to have to learn that you just cannot go square up toe to toe with some of these linebackers or, or DNs uh, or D linemen. You're going to have to chop block the guy. You're going to have to go low. If you notice at the end of the game, when seals had that, you know, whatever you want to call that, where he, you know, fumbled the, the ball, backwards that, pass, yeah. the backwards pass, he was going to get rocked regardless because 45 bets. Pauly absolutely he tried to go square up on the guy. He tried to just basically block him standing up and got his ass rocked. And, uh, luckily seals got rid of it with that backwards pass, because I don't know if anyone noticed if he would have held on to that and would have got it out, he would have got smacked by, he would have uh, been by annihilated. He would have been. Absolutely yeah. And that is, that, and that is just that not, uh, people overlook the blocking running back. Like that is such a key. That is such a key concept in the past game. A lot of times you're going to have, you know, your five linemen who have accounted for the five and you're always going to have one more. And that running back has to be able to either get low, or if you're going to square a guy up, you got to meet him at the line coming downhill fast as shit and pop the hell out of him. But you can't just jog up there and put your body in the way because they're going to freaking embarrass you. So, and that's what happened. And and, and that's that's what what happened happened there. So offense, obviously not great. Three points, pretty bad. Yeah. Well, let's just say the three points. So we'll go ahead and cover that real quick. Yeah, let's do Joe, it. Yes, Joe, uh, the field goal kicker Joseph um, Belovus. 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 Sorry, some hard last names here. Belovus, fifty-three yard field goal. Dude, that's freaking awesome. I know. I mean, that should definitely give us confidence going into the rest of the season. Like when we get in these situations you know, when we got the ball in the 40 or something like that, like he's got the leg and he put it right down the middle. So that was very, very, very nice to see that. Yeah. It was a no doubter. It was a no Mm -hmm. doubter. So I I was very happy to see that. Yeah. Special teams look good. Yeah. Special teams were bad. Um, There were some good punts too. Uh, You know, you know, a couple landed within the 20 and the coverage was pretty good on, on punts and stuff like that. And kickoffs, the two kickoffs Mm -hmm. they had. So um, I think the people, there was one was put through the end zone. So, no complaints there on uh, really on special teams on defense. There were, okay. So I will, I will, I will start with the, We'll start with the defensive line. I thought the interior of the defensive line, most notably Davion Davis was excellent. I thought Davion, I thought Davion Davis was uh, the best player on the defense. 
mm-hmm. the problem was at the edge because the thing that I noticed happening again and again and again was that the the ends or outside linebackers or whoever job it was to set an edge just would kept getting blown up, knocked back inside, and they had running lanes going going wide all day, going off tackle. And that's why you saw Quay Holmes, their tailback, average six and a half yards per carry, you know, and, and run for 150 yards because they because Vanderbilt just simply could not set an edge on on defense and force him back inside. Yeah, you, you're pretty much spot on there. I mean, Davion Davis was a beast, dude. He was freaking making a field day and embarrassing the shit out of those interior three all night. He Anytime the ball, you know, even remotely close came up the middle, he was all over it. I mean, he was either knocking the guy back so that his linebackers could make a fit or he was, you know, literally shucking guys off and, and making tackles. Um, so really, really solid effort by Davion uh, on Saturday night. You know, again, to your point, we were texting kind of back and forth every time ETSU took the ball remotely outside. Either there was, you know, off the edge of the tackle or out into the flanks. We didn't have a freaking chance. And I don't no. know if that was because our cornerbacks were playing. We're just playing too far off the ball or not being aggressive enough. Um, but man, all ETSU had to do was just either pitch it, run it outside or throw a little, throw a little, um, you know, hook, hook route. I mean, it was bad. So, um, I don't know what we got to do. I mean, because I was watching the DNs and they were most of the time doing their job. They were, you know, fitting down on the tackle. If the tackle would go down, they would square up and kind of shuffle down and kind of read the quarterback. But, um, I don't know what it was. You know, a lot of times, gosh, again, I'm trying to think back to the game on Saturday, like the DNs would shuffle down, but, uh, they would go so far down. Like they would just kind of forget like the ball is going to cut back. I don't, I don't know. It's like they almost committed and, and didn't remember like, Oh, the ball actually might come to me. I'm not just a backside player, um, <laughs> which is just silly when you, when you kind of put it that way. But um, I don't know. I mean, I don't know what the issue was. I don't know why we had so much difficulty on the edges, but again, you and I were just kind of watching the game and I haven't really had a chance to kind of break down each individual uh, position but it was evident that every time ETSU took the ball outside, they were going to get six yards, five, five to six yards every time. And every time they ran up the middle, they were going to get maybe a yard or two. So I don't know what we got to do. I don't know if that, that was the linebackers or the corners just playing too far off the ball or what I got to go back and really take a look at the defense. I, I got a chance to kind of study the O-line, but not, but not the secondary and DNs as much as I'd like. What did, what did you see? Did you uh, notice anything? So in the secondary, I noticed, Jalen Mahoney, uh, number 23, he had a couple really great plays, but he also had some coverage breakdowns that were really bad. Um, he had on, he was targeted eight times and gave up seven catches um, for 109 yards. Yes. And a co- including a couple big ones, a big 43 yarder. And I felt like he was trying to do a little bit too much. I felt like every time he was going for an interception instead of just a pass breakup, I felt like every time Mm. and he was letting guys get behind him routinely and without safety help over top. And so, and then he was trying to use, I mean, he's a fast guy. He was trying to use his, you know, makeup speed to get back. But by then, you know, they, the receiver would already have two or three yards on him and 
it was relatively easy pitch and catch. And that was, you know, I mean, he gave up, he personally gave up 109 yards on seven catches and eight attempts. And that's, that's, yeah, unaccept- that, that's unacceptable. <laughs> that's unacceptable, frankly, uh, from your starting corner, who's supposed to be, you know, who, who's supposed to be probably your, your, your number one corner. And I mean, I will may, maybe Gabe Judy Lally is, is the number one. I mean, they're the two starters there, but Judy Lally gave up zero catches. And so mm-hmm. they were clearly picking on picking him. On. Yeah. yeah. They, they threw at him eight times in 17. They threw half of the balls in the game at him. And so they clearly saw something on tape and it worked. So now, I mean, he did a, a good job of not allowing a ton of yards after the catch but he let up all the catches. And so that's all that really matters there. Right. right. And so I was, that to me was really indicative of sort of the effort at yeah, large I mean, and not giving him yeah. and no adjustments to give him safety help over the top. Once they saw that they were targeting him, he was still going, he was still going press man most of the night. And so I just, it, it just, something wasn't clicking there. And it, and Clark yeah. Lee and the defensive staff did not seem to want to make any in-game adjustments to that, which was the other glaring weakness on the defense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. I know Coach Lee in the press conference at the end of the game, he he kind of stated that um, this game is real. This game against ETSU is really going to show us what we need to work on, and because uh, you are what you what you put on tape, and obviously teams are going to go back and watch this. And it's only going to get worse. They're going to attack our weaknesses. They're going to see that we were weak on the outside. They're going to see that we were weak at that cornerback position. So um, we got a lot of corrections we're going to have to get taken care of between now and 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 Saturday. Um, I want to talk about real quick the quarterbacks again. What what were your thought? What were your thoughts on Seals and Wright? Because early on in the game, you and I were texting. As soon as Wright came in, and it was it it was two two plays. I mean, what I saw that first quarter out of seals or that, that first couple drives out of seals uh, was okay. You know, again, we, we saw a couple decent plays to start, start the first uh, quarter. Um, but then we saw Wright come in and within two plays, I texted you and was like, I think we found our new quarterback. Yes. He and looked I felt the same great. Way. I felt the same way because yes. he came in and just, he had a different energy and I felt like the team started playing a little faster. Mm-hmm. I felt like there was, I felt like his, well, seeing his speed, like watching, ma- yeah, watching seals is making. Yes. It was a lot quicker. We, we were texting, like we were texting. We're like, seals looks off. He looks like it looks delayed almost. And then having see, and then having Wright come in after we just got a little bit of taste of seals and then seeing Wright within two plays, I knew I was like, Wright is the guy. He is a dual threat quarterback, especially in this zone offense where teams are going to have to respect him as a runner. Again, that's what we see out of, that's what we see out of Russell Wilson in Seattle. Again, you're running that zone scheme offense, but you also have a badass runner that you have to respect, especially in that offense. And then we saw Wright put together a couple passes. He had a couple big ones. And then, you know, obviously after he took that sack, he wasn't the same after that, obviously, at least in the, at least in the passing game, you know, he heard it. He heard his throwing arm again. We saw he was literally waving seals to come out before the ball was turned over. Otherwise he was coming out the next play. But, uh, I first, I, I just thought initially before he took that sack, Wright was looking very, very promising. Again, very quick. You had to respect the speed when he took off and there was nothing there. And he kind of 
he rolled out to his left. The whole defense kind of came with him. And then he took it backside and took and ran that 30 yard, 30 yard pickup. Dude, he's fast as hell. I was yeah, like, so that fast. is, yeah. And he's just going to have to learn a little bit. Again, I think he's young. He's going to have to just kind of, again, not be so quick to make his decision. And I thought again, at the end of, at the end of the game, when, after he took that sack, he had already, he had already made up in his mind that he was going to run the ball every time. But uh, I think if he can get a little bit more relaxed and if he can fake some of these handoffs or be a little bit more patient, as we kind of talked about, these running backs have to have a little time in this offense. The running backs have to be patient so that the holes can open up. Same thing at the quarterback position. You can't be in a hurry to give it. You have to actually make the reads and see is the, is the end coming down or is he playing vertical? So I got to give this, or if he playing down hard, I got to keep this um, and not be so quick to, Hey, I'm just going to run this. You know, every you got to let the play, yeah. you got to let every time you got to let the plays unfold. Well, speaking of reads, I felt like in the, in passing situations, seals was just locking onto his man and not actually going through his progressions very well. Yeah. I, I was, like, I, 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 felt like my, he did. I tweeted, he's missing the check down. Yeah. He's like, he was a lot missing, of, they were wide open. And they were wide yes. open. They were playing very soft against a lot of those against against the receivers because they had to respect the speed. And they're they they were open all day, especially like Bresnahan tight end. Like he was he was open underneath a lot. And mm-hmm. he wasn't, you know, I mean, that's typically your third read as a quarterback, right? Is is gonna be that check down. And I felt like he wasn't getting past the second guy ever. I, I agree. And I, I even I even tweeted that on Saturday after our, like our first half, uh, our, our first half kind of uh, report card. He's missing the checkdowns. He was absolutely like he was locking in on his guy and he wasn't taking his eyes off. And when you do that, if your guy's not open, that's when it turns into panic mode. That's when it turns into scrambling. That's when it turns into him making bad throws or throwing it up against, you know, double coverage. Um as a quarterback, you have to be able to go through your checkdowns. You have to know you're supposed to be the smartest guy on the field because you got to know where your receivers are at all times because it should be my first read, not open, second read, not open, boom, check down. It shouldn't even be a thought. It shouldn't be, oh, I'm going to wait, I'm going to wait, I'm going to wait. He's not open. Okay, I'm panicking. Like, you, you know, you just don't have that kind of time. It's either there, second check down. Or boom, you're, you're you know you're pitching to the running back who's going to block and release, or you're pitching to the tight end who's blocking and releasing. So yeah, we got to see a better job at that QB position of hitting those checkdowns. Again, we keep going back to right. He wasn't doing any of that after that sack. He, you, I mean, I could tell as soon as he caught the as soon as he caught the snap from the center what he was going to do, and I think the defense knew that as well. So seals. If uh, depending on who's going to be the starting quarterback again this week, or if we're going to see more shuffling of right coming in and those guys sharing reps, both of them, when they're in the passing game situation, to your point, we got to see them do a better job of hitting the check down, checking their guy. If it's open, take it. If not, you know, you just got to work through your progression. So, and that's from, a, and that's just, you know, that's what good quarterbacks can do, you know, and I'm not saying that these guys don't have that ability because they absolutely do. But uh, from an offense perspective, it all starts with the quarterbacks feeling comfortable in the pocket, you know, and I don't know if after Saturday they felt that. And I have a, I have a some really bad news for them. It's only going to get worse. <laughs> it's going to get tougher. Fortunately, yeah. they've got Colorado State, who we're going to talk about here in a second, on the schedule. And fortunately, they have UConn on the schedule, who might be the worst team in FBS. 
So yeah, we, we'll talk about that in a minute. But before we do, uh, want to give a shout out to our newest partner here, uh, PlayActionPools.com. They are bringing interactive fun to our favorite sport. You'll be able to get in on the action with PlayActionPools.com Football Pick'em Challenge, which is open to everyone. Here's how it works. Sign up for our contest. Believe Football Pick'em at PlayActionPools.com. Get your picks in every week. We're going to select 10 of the highest profile games between the NFL and college. Whoever gets the most picks correct every week will win a pair of electric sunglasses and a pair of DC shoes. So again, head over to PlayActionPools.com and sign up for the contest. Believe, B-L-E-A-V. Football pick them. I'm already I'm already signed up. I got my picks in this morning. Ryan, I'll have to send them over to you. Make sure you get in on it. Uh, and if you're going to host your own football contests, go over to PlayActionPools.com today. They've got Survivor, pick them, as well as some sportsbook-style concepts called Build Your Bankroll. PlayActionPools.com, your new home for all your office pools. So this weekend, Colorado State. We are in Fort Collins to play the Rams. And if you weren't, uh, this is going to be an interesting matchup because both Vanderbilt and Colorado State lost to FCS teams last week. So we've got that going for us. Colorado State's defense against South Dakota State last week was genuinely atrocious. Um, It was they gave up uh, nearly eight yards per play uh, to South Dakota State they South Dakota State was able to run all over them for 7.1 yards per carry, uh, 242 rushing yards on 34 attempts, and uh, they passed the ball efficiently, 18 for 28, 224 yards, and the Colorado State just did not look strong in any facet of the game last week. There's also a lot of turmoil going on inside the program with uh, the head coach, Steve Adazio, and his... Uh, how it's the best way uh, to put this, his uh, maybe a bit antiquated motivational efforts uh, towards the team. So uh, there has definitely been some uh, questioning of what's going on uh, inside the Colorado state program. And so I think that there is, you know, there is actually a little bit of reason for optimism against Colorado state, just because this team doesn't look that great either. However, the one thing that they were able to do last week, they were able to throw the ball. They had, 338 yards passing as a team. So we assume that they're probably going to try to target uh, Mahoney the same way that East Tennessee state did. So going, I want to see, yeah, I want to see Matt. I want to see how Vanderbilt is going to react because Colorado state again, losing, which, which should have been a game that they won last week. This team is going to be pissed off. Right. And we're going into their house and their territory. And after the, and after them seeing the performance that we had on Saturday, you know, I know that coach uh, Adazio, obviously he's made a lot of promises to the university that he has to fulfill as well. And I know him and his coaching staff are going to bring in their, they're going to be bringing their freaking a games. You know, they're going to get that tape corrected. You know, that after looking at Saturday's performance, us against ETSU, this is a big game for Adazio and his staff to come back and get a big win against, you know, an SEC opponent. So you best believe this team is going to show up to play. I want to see how Vanderbilt is going to react and not to kind of flip flop topics here, but I want to talk about what I was hearing and I wasn't there. I want to talk about what I was hearing from the reporting. You know, there was SEC reporters on the sidelines and I heard multiple, multiple times 
Vanderbilt is flat. I kept seeing they kept zooming in on Lee. You probably couldn't see this, but from but from the TV copy, they kept they kept zooming in on Lee. And time after time, it was the same expression. And I don't know how this, you know, we're all learning as, you know, we're all learning as fans because we're not in the meeting rooms. We're not, we're not really sure how his coaching style is, but um, I saw the same emotion from coach Lee and uh, I'm just going off of what I heard. And that was Vanderbilt sidelines is flat. I heard it from the announcers. I heard it from the people in the press box. Vanderbilt was flat. And I thought I heard maybe you mentioned, or maybe I had read somewhere that, Vanderbilt doesn't play music at practice. They're, yeah, you know, that's what res- Bruno told us last week on the podcast. Yeah, they're responsible for creating their own excitement, and they're responsible for creating their own energy. Well, you're going into an you're going into a, a different stadium. You're not at home anymore. This is going to be an away game. You know, you're going to have to have your sideline freaking rocking and rolling because you best believe that you know Colorado State is going to be bringing the juice. You know, so. Um, Again, I think we're just learning more about coach Lee and his coaching style. I think I know personally, I have always been a player that reacts to excitement. Like if my coach is excited, I'm going to get excited. If he's pissed off, I'm going to be pissed off. And so uh, again, we don't know what's going on behind closed doors, but I just, you know, from a fan's perspective, watching Saturday, that's what I witnessed. What are your thoughts? I want to say, I want actually wanted, I, I'm glad you brought that up. Cause I was going to mention that in the first half of the show. I think that one of the that was actually one of my bigger issues with with what I saw Saturday. You, I could even see it from my seats in Section H that uh, that there was nothing going on on the sideline. It just looked dead. Like no one was trying to get anybody else up. No one was trying to you know you know sort of like rally the guys if you will you know and that's kind of cliche right but it's also there's something to it there as well and just watching going because i taped the game as well and i went back and watched it and watching the replay just like every time you're right every time they cut to cockley's face it's the exact same expression and now now there's obviously and that was actually one of my bigger criticisms of Derek mason as well right was that he had that exact same expression no matter if they were winning by 50, if they were losing by 50, it was a tight game, like whatever. There was no change in emotion. And I'm not saying you have to be like 2012 Brian Kelly, like all red in the face from yelling at people. But I feel like if you don't exhibit any emotion whatsoever, it gives off the impression that you don't care. And that you don't care if the team is <laughs> succeeding That's or right. whatever. And, you know, obviously I never played. Not to say he doesn't. Not no, to no, say he doesn't. That's not but saying I'll... he doesn't care. But, right. it's, but it's, it's in the, this case. The look, it's the, it's the appearance of not caring. And, I, and uh, that was actually a knock against me as a player. When I was playing, uh, I always was a guy that stood with my hands on my hips. I don't know why. That was just my way of standing there. I used to catch my breath. I used to always put my hands on my hips. And when you sit there and a coach is coaching you and you get your hands on your hips, it comes off disrespectful. It comes off like you don't care. Could not be further from the truth. I get, I definitely gave a shit. I definitely wanted to be coached. But again, parents, sometimes looking a certain way can give off, you know, a certain, uh, you know, even though, like you're saying, Hey, we're not saying you don't care. Coach Lee. No, we're but, not saying that at you all. Know, but the, but the appearance of things at times can be, you know, 
that can become reality. Like that, that, that appearance can become, or that, that perception becomes reality. That's the, exactly. Uh, that's what I was trying to say. Yeah, yep. that, that's what I'm looking for. Perception becomes reality. <laughs> and I was just like, I was disappointed. Like, I want to see something like, I want to see yeah. that, like, this is affecting you. Right. Because coach Franklin, he would show, like, he would show it. Right. There yeah. is a famous picture of, I saw on Facebook last week. It was a, uh, it was just one of those, like, it wasn't an ad, but it was like one of these posts that someone had shared and had gotten so many views. It came up on my feed and the description said, if your son never is in this situation, it's because you're like coach doesn't care about you or something. It had a picture of like Kirby smart, James Franklin, Nick Saban. It was like four pictures and every one of them, the coach was in the player's face screaming you'll see like you see nick saban the single most successful college football coach of all time who's usually a very measured guy but he will still that's a great great that's a great example of someone who's calm and collected off the field who is completely flat even like bill belichick and nick saban who literally have the most boring personality when they're talking to media but come saturdays it is a different human being on the yeah, sidelines and it's not the entire time it's at distinct points right it's not mm-hmm. they're they're not a berserker for 60 minutes on the sideline but when they need to be when they need to show some emotion they do and that was my biggest qualm with the way that coach lee presented himself was yeah. that because, when they needed because that everyone's energy. watching yeah. everyone like you said everyone is watching and when they would cut to coach lee from you know from the espn tape because we were watching on espn plus like when the ESPN reporters would zone in on Lee, not only was I looking at Lee, but I was looking at the OC and the D coordinator and the D line coach and the O line coach. And everybody was doing what? Looking at Lee. And they all had the same face. They all had the same face of concern, flat, not excited, looking at their leader to kind of help point them in the direction of which way are we trying to go here? We all like, we should have, beat the shit out of ETSU. We should have beat the living crap out of these guys. I literally was texting with one of the O linemen, Julian Hernandez. He was like, we plan on, we plan on putting our threes in on offensive line on Saturday. We plan on beating these guys so bad. The fact that we lost this game, it is, it is absurd. And I have to say that, like, I think we could have done a much better job if we would have had the enthusiasm like give it not that we didn't give a shit, but if you would have actually shown that you give a shit and have had more excitement, I think we could have changed this game because we got behind early and we never came back from that. No, never. We didn't show any fight. No. And that's what the, it, it just, and every time they trotted out there, it just, they were going through the motions. Right. Yeah. And it, I didn't see a team that was fighting, scratching, crawling to try to win a game. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that's what we had to do when like we had to change our mindset. When Franklin got there, we are going to win at all costs. Mm-hmm. You were going to freaking do whatever it took to try to, to win the game. And uh, I just didn't see, like you said, I saw guys going through the motions. I mean, what the F we should have killed these guys. Yes, we should have. They should have. There is the, 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 the talent gap alone should have been a 20 point to 25 point victory for Vanderbilt. And the fact that they had no energy and no fight seemingly Mm -hmm. to me just made it seem like they don't care. 
Like they just don't care. And we know no. that they do care, but it's that perception becoming but, yeah. reality again here. Yeah. So as if, you know, if, if you were on, you know, if you're on the coaching staff, what is the one thing that you are trying to do this week in order to get them ready and get them up? Get my guy. State? I'm going to have my position group during practice. You know, you're going to have a, you're going to have a big practice today, Tuesday. You're going to have a big practice tomorrow. You're going to have a somewhat jog through Thursday, walk through Friday and you're traveling Friday today. I'm at, if I'm coach Blazik and I'm running the O line, I'm going to have my guys going freaking nuts on the sidelines, cheering on my guys, having the O line getting fight. I was just going to say this, getting, getting into fights with the D line because mm-hmm. you were that pissed off that you lost to ETSU. If I was Blazik, I would say, if one of y'all doesn't get into a fight today, the whole fucking O line's running. Yeah. You know, after practice. Absolutely. Like that's like, that's what it has to be. Football is not a, Hey guys, let's take it easy. Like it is a, it is a ruthless game. It's a know? contact sport, man. It is a contact sport, especially a guy, O lineman. You're supposed to be the nastiest freaking guys on the field. Uh, I saw Ashmore and Steen showing, showing some signs of that. But our interior three has got to be freaking maulers. And if I'm, a, if I like to, your, to answer your question, I'm telling my O line, you better be the most. If you're not going to know what to do, you better be going fast. And I know we talked about a lot of mental errors with guys playing man and not, you know, actually running the zone team correctly. If you're not going to do it right, you better do it fast, you know? And so you better be playing as hard as you can and as mean as you can. And I'm having my guys. Literally, I'm going to say, coach, turn the freaking music up. Let's go freaking nuts out there. You know, you want to see guys having swag, jumping up and down, pushing each other. You know, I want to see that. If if you can't have that at practice, how can you expect to have that in a game? And I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to criticize, I'm, I'm going to criticize this coaching philosophy a little bit. You know, the more I think about it, the more I'm thinking, Hey, if I'm not going to be able to create, create the type of atmosphere on Tuesdays and Wednesdays and Thursdays, how could I expect to have the same enthusiasm and type of, uh, you know, crazy mentality on Saturdays? Like music does, you know, we, you know, you can say like, Oh, it's just, it's just music. But I mean, got to remember these are 18, 19, 20 year old kids who have a full workload of school who are freaking exhausted from weight training. Like, music gets these kids going like them just being out there and like, Hey guys, we need to get up. Come on. Let's make some noise. Like that's just unrealistic to think about. That's just unrealistic. You need something that's going to get these guys motivated and music. We all know is a huge, is a huge part of a lot of these young men's life. And so I always know when I used to hear my favorite song of practice, it would get me going like whatever the time, you know, back then, I don't know what it was, my favorite song, but if I heard my favorite song, dude, I was like jamming. I was freaking locked in, you know, we are hooping and hollering. So um, I got to criticize that coaching technique a little yeah, bit. I want to, what, what I want to see is I, I need to see them come out. You, you sort of mentioned this too. I need to see them come out with an edge. I want them, I want to see them playing edge. like on the edge of not necessarily like unnecessary roughness, but I want them. I want them trying to bully the opponent, not to play patty cake with them. I want them to actually try to bully the opponent, and I want them to play till the 
echo to the end of the echo of the whistle. Dude, you're, you're supposed to impose your will. Yes, on and the they guy did not do in that in front of you. And the the guy, I, I you know, I, I'm not in a you know physical position to call out anyone else as the train goes by my house. I need to see Cole Clemens step up. That's the guy that I need to see step up and be a leader on the offensive line. He's the biggest dude there at guard. He listed like 340 pounds. He's a veteran, I, and. Uh, he just he was getting blown back and he just felt like he like was sluggish and didn't care and that's what really frustrates me as a fan is that they didn't seem like they care i know we keep carping on this again and again and again but you want to feel Cole like clemens the, looked out of shape yeah i'm just gonna i'm just gonna call it like it is yeah he did big boy was out he was out of shape and yeah. i think again if you want that aggressive mentality finishing guys up 30 yards down the field you better be in damn good shape because you, you know be. you can't say well i'm just going to turn it up on saturdays you That's always impossible. have heard you've, you've always heard that like any like from every team i've ever played on coaches will always make a point you can't just turn it on on saturdays if you don't do it at practice you're not going to do it in a game mm-hmm. so like if you're not finishing guys if you're not 30 yards down the field after your running back takes it after a big hole and picking them up or chipping guys off a pop, you're not going to do it on Saturdays. And to think that like, I'm just going to turn it on or I'm going to have so much energy on Saturday that I'm going to be unstoppable. You're not, you know, happen. it, can't, it happen. can't happen. So, and I, I want to contrast that and sort of finish out with a couple of the things that we saw across the sec East this weekend. You texted me on Saturday saying you've been watching Kentucky and watching Kentucky's <laughs> offensive line. And they were, they played the polar opposite of Vanderbilt's offensive line. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to look up. Kennard. I'm trying to look up who, who it was. Darian What's Kennard. That? Darian Kennard. Oh my Lord. That dude, that dude is so big. I was just watching the highlights. Here's the I really thing. Was... He's big and in shape. Yes. Oh yeah. And he um, moves. Yeah. I mean, I don't even know what to say. I mean, I don't even know what to say. I mean, we're, our, our D line is going to be in a world of hurt if, uh, if we don't pick it up. I mean, especially on the ends, I think, you know, inside we're not looking too bad, but uh, you know, looking at Vanderbilt's O line compared to any other SEC O line, you know, and that's just, and that's been, I don't know, man. Like I remember we played with a lot smaller guys. Like Wesley Johnson was like two sixty. Like Andrew Bridges was like two sixty. I was even only like 300. How big was uh, Jelks? Jelks was like 285. Yeah, I was saying, he didn't seem that big either. Like, no, no. All like we played with smaller guys, but we were all physical as hell. Yeah. Like very, very chippy physical. Like Wesley would be 40 yards down the field and freaking cleaning dudes clocks. Mm-hmm. Like, would literally be getting into fights during the game. Like we had so many instances. Who was that redheaded where, center that you had? Logan. Yeah. Uh, Lo- <laughs> Logan would literally get the guy and he would, Logan would get the, these D tackles and these nose guards so pissed off that they couldn't focus on their assignments. All they wanted to do was get into fights with Logan. It, I mean, that's what type of offense we were running was like, Hey, we're smaller but we're going to get you so pissed off and we're gonna, you're going to forget about what you're even doing. Like that's just the type of offense that we ran. And I feel like ever since we graduated, 
like Mason went into this, like, we got to have big guys. Like we got to have big O line. Like I tell you, I look at the O line. Now, every one of these guys is six, six, three twenty, three thirty. Except every, for the center. Except for the center. But every one of them is a massive dude. Ashmore's big. Steen is huge. 74 is big as shit. Cox is big as shit. Like, it's not always about having nice. the biggest, biggest dude. I mean, some of these guys are freaking soft, you yeah. know, you can't be big and soft. You got to be big and nasty. Like Georgia's always had some nasty, big O linemen. Ben like, Cleveland, the guard who felt like he played there forever. Like he was like three fifty, and he like, he, I, I swear to God, he must've been like the meanest man on earth. Like I was, I would have been terrified of him if I came across yeah. him in a dark alley. <laughs> that's what I, dude we need i don't know what it is i don't know if we need like more camaraderie the guy needs you know the o-line needs to be spending more time together but that should be the tightest unit on the field and if anybody messes with any of the guys the whole squad you got you got to face because mm-hmm. they're coming to kick your ass like yeah that's the type that's just how it should be you know one of the things that bruno mentioned last week was that kiva wesley was having a problem snapping the ball at center Athletically, he's so much just superior to um, who who they've got lining up there right now at center. And I think that, you know, they might have to just suck it up here and deal with maybe a fumble snap or two just to get the physicality of Wesley on the field. Because his, just because I don't know how much, I don't know how Warden is going to last against these especially once you get in the sec schedule against sec interior defensive linemen mm-hmm. because there's, you, nothing, there's nothing wrong with being like you know there's nothing, nothing wrong with being, being small there's yeah. nothing wrong with being 6'2 280 there's a lot of it, really but, good centers that are 6'2 6'3 yeah but i mean like, like you got to be the meanest baddest dude on the field you have to be a badger like you have to be like a little badger like you have to or like a little like wolverine. like you're the shortest guy but you're it's you're the pit bull yes exactly like you are the meanest dude on the field yeah, you have to be. You have to be and the smartest dude, and you have to be quicker. You got to be quicker. You can't be short and small and slow. Like that's not gonna work. No. So, you know, if you and not use leverage well. So we will well, see. Going well, forward. we gotta. We we're gonna have a long season. I really hope that. Uh, I really hope that our key are are uh, like key points of emphasis this week are the energy because obviously that was apparent. Like the energy wasn't there. I don't know if it's, they thought that like, Hey, it's ETSU. We're just going to walk all over these guys, which obviously, you know, like that can happen. You don't want that mindset, but it can definitely happen. You know, Bruno talked about that. Like, you know, when we face SEC opponents, sometimes we feel like maybe they're not bringing their a game. Maybe there was that, maybe that was some of it. We thought we were just going to steamroll these guys. And when we got behind, we got, nervous and got flat you got know tight. so yeah got tight our buttholes got tight so like <clears throat> i think our, our key points of emphasis this week are we got to bring a lot more energy we got to be a lot more meaner or, and tough especially up especially up front o-line d-line um we got to play faster you know again at, at least i'm kind of referring to the o-line hopefully we can get some of these corrections made about guys working up to the secondary level, not sticking on a man, but at at least we should be playing faster, right? We should not be thinking playing faster. I hope we can see, you know, guys, uh, finishing down the field. You know, we, we kind of talked about 
one of the biggest ways that uh, you can, you know, your spot in a roster, especially when you get to the next level in the NFL is showing up on tape. And when the ball is 30, 40 yards down the field from the line of scrimmage and your number comes into the screen because you come flying in and picking a guy off, like, well, I want to see more of that. And, um, you know, hopefully we can see a better job out of seals and right. You know, I want to see right again, like we talked about, Hopefully he can kind of shake that sack off and feel a little bit more comfortable with making these reads and not just being a one, a one trick pony, you know, and, and being able to actually read. And, you know, we talked about seals, reading the check downs, feeling comfortable, which is just going to come with, with time. But uh, hopefully we can get some of these things corrected at practice this week. Hey, if I'm the coaching, if I'm the coach, if I'm the quarterback coach, I'm telling seals, I'm going to, I'm going to keep a timer today and you got two seconds to get rid of the ball. Otherwise it's a sack and everyone's like, you're running. Like if you don't get the ball off in two seconds, it's a freaking gasser at the practice. I love that. Literally. I love I'm going to stand in the back. I'm going to stand in the back of the thing and say one, two. And if it's not gone, it's a sack. You know, that's just a type of, those are the type of coaching things that you got to carry over with you to get better at stuff like that. Like, you can't just say he's going to make it. He's going to do it in the game. You know, no, there is no that shit. So like, if I'm at practice seals has got two seconds to get rid of the ball, one, two or sack and you're yeah. running. That's a gasser. Absolutely. That's another gasser. That's an, you know, so, um, I damn sure that's how you, that's how you know, he's going to get rid of it. But, uh, we hope seals hits the check downs. We hope the O line gets a little nastier. We hope we see a lot more juice on the sidelines. You know, we're not sure how coach Lee is going to respond. Yep. Um, want to see a healthy Mike, Wright? Hel- yeah. We want to see a healthy Mike, Wright. I, and I, and I want to see the defensive ends actually set an edge like that, that. That's really what I want to see. So yeah. DN I don't even care if every single play, the DN literally has to pick out if he's a five technique and literally pick out every single play. And your sole responsibility is do not get beat outside. If you get beat outside, it's a gasser. Literally we should run. We should have an entire two periods on today's practice where we're running outside zone the whole time. And if I'm the DN and if I give up containment, it's a gasser, you know, little stupid, little stupid stuff like that. It's like, you're going to get fixed. I promise you, you're going to get it fixed. Like if you get beat outside, your ass is running and you best believe no one wants to do that. So I'm going to not get beat. I'm going to say, I'm not going to get beat outside. If, if coach says I get every time I get beat outside, it's a gasser, you know, um, that's going to carry over Saturday. So hopefully we're seeing those, co- you know, those coaching points this week. Yeah, definitely. All right, man. Well, uh, good to catch up with you as always. We'll be back next week, uh, hopefully with a, 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 a special return guest to the pod that we've got in the works. So oh, yeah. uh, it, until then though, uh, have a great weekend and anchor down. You too, man. Anchor down, buddy. Thank you for listening to believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.